What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the I'm Getting There podcast. It's your host, Michael Booth, and today I'm here with first-time guest in the show, comedian and musician Mean Dave. It was really great to get to sit down and talk with Dave. I've met him on a show before, and we I've seen him on social media, and so it was cool to actually you know, sit down and talk to him. He's a really nice guy. Um, we had a lot of great things to say about music. Uh, which I think took up the bulk of this podcast, which is awesome because it was cool, you know, to sit and chat with him about that. And then we also talk about comedy a little bit. So, yeah, it was really fun getting to meet Dave. Um, I saw him last night, actually, at the Blue Lagoon. So that was cool to bump into him again. Uh, You can follow him on Instagram to know about his shows and stuff at mean underscore Dave. And then he's on Facebook at mean Dave as well. I think Twitter also. Um, But, yeah. This is a really fun episode, so you know, thank you for listening. Thank you for checking it out today. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast so that you can stay up to date with the podcast on social media, it's at I'm Getting There Pod, all one word on Instagram, and it's on Twitter at igt underscore pod, and then also on Facebook, I'm Getting There Pod uh, with Michael Booth. Um, so yeah, go check all those links out. I post everything, you know, post links to all the guest stuff that they send me and and their pages and stuff too. So. Go follow that to, you know, learn a little bit more about the people I have on this show. Also, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can. I'm on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Stitcher. Sorry. And uh, tune in, all that stuff. So go check that out. If you're listening on Stitcher or Apple, if you could leave a review on those platforms, I think there's options to give me some feedback. So please do so if you like the show and want to support it. And also, if you want to help the show grow and you know support the show more than just you know reviewing and subscribing and things like that there's a tip jar link in the description of the episode and that has an option to donate to the podcast and if you become a recurring member of that donation each month i have some private content that you have access to that are like solo episodes some uh some of my comedy and some other stuff like that just kind of special content on there for you guys that donate to the show each month So thank you for doing that. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for subscribing. And I hope you do enjoy today's episode with me and Dave. That's what I like, man. Lazy. That's what I do, too. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Well, I wanted to bring that up, actually, because I was checking out uh, this morning. I was kind of looking at, um, you know, what you kind of your stuff online and oh, looking no. at your socials and just kind of, you know, getting a sense for all that you kind of do. Because I was scrolling through and I was like, man, you know, there's, you know, you're a busy guy, it looks like. You'd I kinda... was. And no, not really. I was busier in the, in the quarantine. I was busier then. Okay. I just say like it was so busy. I was, but I when we were stuck at home, because um, like the like my in the meantime's on YouTube. Those things, uh, I, it started as a weekly podcast on a. They used to have a station called FCC Free Radio in San Francisco, where you would okay. pay to have your own show. You'd pay a monthly fee to run your show in the studio, and the guy was nutty. He's a very well known nut. Um, of like you know a lot of people a lot of people that are actually got smarter 
uh, from working with them and realizing, oh, I don't need this crazy asshole and would go mm-hmm. on their own. Um, <laughs> I had fun working with them like for the two years I was there and the show got support and then um, he fired me as he likes to always say, it's like you're paying for his service and yet he fires you. Um, which, uh, was ridiculous. I couldn't afford it anyway at the time. I was I was still having trouble, so he let me go. But uh, I had already paid my next month, and I had a show ready to go that was important to me. And so I was really kind of pissed. And then I put him on blast, and then he gave me my rent back and uh, from the last month. And um, and then we kind of had a we, like I I put him on timeout. I didn't talk to him in years, and then I ran into him after I was in recovery and and something. And um and I kind of did a couple shows on their station at the time. And uh, I was even on their, actually Alex love used to have a show on there for a minute when she was brand new. And she had me on, she recorded me and played it on the show. Cause I knew he wasn't going to notice anyway. Um, <laughs> but I still didn't want to go to the station. So anyway, so after that happened, I got in recovery and then I started, um, I wanted to still, I wanted to do something. So then I made yeah. the very early versions of in the meantime with, um, on you like I made just a, a static video recording on my laptop with a friend um, okay. it was not organized it was just basically me talking with a buddy or like comic buddy or whatever for like, yeah. like a half hour or so and then I would just upload it as is no editing no nothing um, and uh, and those were I, I, I enjoy I enjoyed what they were at the, I like what uh, your doppelganger Brendan Lynch uh, called them uh video suicide letters <laughs> i like i like that <laughs> and, and, uh, so uh but i did that for a few of them and then and a couple of them actually i like the samuel bade one was really good and one with my friend who's no longer with us Corey gibson uh was really good too because it was kind of like a time capsule of a friend that um who i lost uh 2015 so i i you know it's nice memory to go back and we had a nice conversation that was funny and she was oh, hilarious nice. and uh, and then we graduated to making edited versions with a friend of mine. And then from there, I we stopped doing them in 2016. And then when pandemic hit, I was sharing them just for people to watch, to have something to do during the day. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends uh, said, why don't you make a new one? And I was like, well, I could. And I probably <laughs> should. So and then I ended up churning them out like weekly and I was doing editing and, and whatever else and just had other ideas with it. And it was cool. Yeah. It was really inspired. And I did that all the way up until January. And uh, I think the most pre- recent episode was one was a tribute to my friend Frosty Nugs, who, who died on Christmas from uh, 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 what do you call it? Appendicitis. And oh, okay. um so I did that one, and then I have two more in the chamber, but I haven't. Ed- I, I kind of, I, I, I don't know. I think I ran. I was on empty, so I'm gonna get to editing them. They're not like you know time, you know they're, they'll be fine the way they are. They're not. Uh, yeah. They don't not have like time stamped or like yeah, nothing like that. Dated or anything like that. No, it's us talking about the same shit we talk about today, <laughs> even. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's cool, that's, man. Yeah, that's actually. I don't. I'm not that busy. I'm mostly. If anything, people always say I'm on Facebook too much or something. That's <laughs> well, that's how I like came to know about you was mm-hmm. uh, through like Facebook and um, mm-hmm. just like the the bacon page and like seeing you in there and uh, I was I like, who's this guy? It used to be much worse. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm better at it. More, you know. There's people that are way like that are. Um, I want to say that are better trolls today. Um, at I want to I don't know about better, but like 
uh, there's a guy who kind of does it. Uh, he's and he's I'm cool with him. I know a lot of people aren't, but uh, he's this guy named Josh Kahn who uh, became notorious for all of his Facebook trolling and going relentlessly at people. And um, he's actually a really nice guy in person. Um, and um, and he's he's pretty respectful of comedy, but online he's a maniac. <laughs> and um, and I've I, I was very similar to that. Only my only thing was I was funnier at it. Um, even if you hated me, there were people that flat out hated me that I'd make laugh. So that's kind of a good. The, thing. Yeah, that was the because I wouldn't even. It's funny to be like somebody on the outside or like a just like a passing kind of like passing by. I guess this conversation watching an and accident then, like a car accident. Yeah. yeah. But you, yeah, it was I'd always laugh at like your at your uh, your comments or your like replies because they were it was like what I felt like most people were probably thinking to some degree. And yeah, that's, then, a, that's a common. There's a lot of things, but that's the difference between me today and me back then. Was I had I would I would have no filter and say things that definitely some at least a portion of people would think. Um, today I don't say everything I really think because not only, and it's not because so much there's the cancel culture mentality that feed that trickles down from like the actual shit that's mostly on Twitter, but mm-hmm. it feeds into today's kind of thing. Like every, yeah. Like everybody's on, everybody's on edge, trying to call everybody out and they don't, they can't even tell when they agree. Um, which is hilarious. I love watching those arguments the most. When somebody's like, but what you're trying to say is, you know, the same, is the yeah. same thing I'm saying, but I'm saying it longer and better, and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and I, I had to point that out to a friend who was like thinking that somebody was trolling her post, and I was like, this bitch agrees with you. What are you talking about? Like, she's on your side. Like, what the fuck? And you're, you're just looking for a problem. And, yeah. um, but so I, I, uh, I, I just, you know, I try to more or less, it's not that I don't, I hold back what I think. I just, I, I have to, I do second guess myself more today, not because, uh, you know, if I really feel something, I'll say it, but mm-hmm. it, it's, it's then the question of, is it worth the headache that it might bring me or comments or, and that, that's really the bigger thing. I'm, I'm in my forties now and I really just don't like a lot of notifications. Um, I think that's <laughs> the majority of people who used to do that shit all the time, uh, like Butch Escobar, a good friend of mine, um, you know, he'll, he'll mix it up still. And, and I think, but the thing is I can tell why he does it. He's someplace bored with nothing to do. Like he'll, he, he trolled me once and I'm like, what the fuck is your problem out of nowhere? And I'm like, you're, that, you're bored right now, aren't you? He goes, yeah, I'm at a BART station. And I'm like, okay, man. listen to some music. Man. So I kind of screw it. That's funny. Oh. Um, I wanted to also kind of bring up. Um, you hit me up the other day and sent me a bunch of uh, sent me a bunch of music, and we were talking about um, the the show I went to last week, and I was checking it out, and it was interesting. I like was listening to the your band. I think it's uh, Wuzor. Or Wuzor. Yeah, and then I was also checking out the other. Like I think you sent me like the Wolfman like recordings and I was like, yeah the Wolfman yeah comp- compilation yeah yeah all this stuff is pretty cool man it reminds it, me like I um the Wuzor recordings reminds me of like I like how heavier... you say it Wuzor <laughs> yeah I don't know I yeah I was, <laughs> I was like unsure it, of the pronounced it Wuzor in our okay. band it would be pronounced by other people as Wuzer 
Because <laughs> they started with okay. like Weezer, and we're like, no, there's an O there, motherfucker. Weezor. Okay. And then Zor, I, like how, okay. I like how you pronounce it Wazor. <laughs> like, I, 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 I haven't talked to my, those old bandmates in years, but next time I, if I ever talk to them, I'll be like, yeah, hey, I heard a new pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it reminds me of like a like a real like a heavier style of like Rollins band almost. Oh, nice. Like, oh, that's, that's never like, I've never heard that band thrown into the comparisons before. Well, because it's just like it has like a kind of a blues element almost to it is what Ooh, I like yeah, was getting. Glad to hear that. Yeah, um, I, I used to love the band, uh, the Rollins band, the band like Rollins is cool, but uh, yeah. Danzig and Rollins band were like the two bands that I'm like I love their musicians and I could care less. Yeah, about dude. Like they they're cool. They're the guys that got them noticed. But uh, yeah, the the rhythm but, section on like End of Silence and uh, and Coming and Burn. And, like before he got that new group with him like the mm-hmm. those guys are so awesome like those yeah, records I think are like Silence amazing is the only one i really i had that one and i think yeah i think the one yeah the other one you mentioned i had the ones up to yeah the one that where he had his video with the uh, low self-opinion and then mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think i listened to it much after that i think yeah you're right he changed his players and because uh, he had andrew weiss i know on bass i always remember because he had the two strings on his bass i actually imitated that in a nice. couple of bands and um but uh and then the same with Danzig, he fired the John Christ, Chuck Biscuits and Erie Vaughn lineup after Danzig four and then he released a terrible, terrible album called Black Acid Devil that I tried listening to the other day, uh just to see like, ah, oh, let's see if I was wrong. Nope, I was very much <laughs> on the money. That album sucks, sucked then, sucks now, and it was just such a horrible decision on his part to change his band. So it's always funny when you try to go back to something that you like, like you thought was like terrible when it came out, and you're like, maybe I was, you know, maybe my opinions have changed. Maybe I, I, I do. No, it's it's true. I mean, I think anybody with any sense who loves music, uh, I mean, that's a good thing. There were like there'd be bands. I remember growing up, I would hear, and I'm like, this is beyond me right now. But I'm not selling this back to the CD store. Or I'm not, you know, because they. I know you're a young and so back in my day, um, we had, you know, if we had some music stores, if you bought like a CD and you didn't like it, you could return it, uh, sometimes for store credit or whatever else. Um, some stores were cool and give you full credit. Some would give you like a percentage, but, um, I would, there'd be bands where I would get something and be like, this is over my head, but I don't think it's I don't think it's cause I don't like it. It's cause I, it's beyond me right now. I'll come back to this. And I'm gonna hold mm-hmm. on to it. And then there'll be other bands where that's that's where it's like if you if I could see through a band right away, there was like you know your music tastes change as you get older. And then there would be bands where I started to realize like oh I thought I liked this, and then I realized oh no it's just you know it's just like you know I was 12 and you know it sounded kind of cool then and then now I'm like 14 I'm like I hate this why do I why do I even keep this and like look at the album cover even like it just tells me it sucks and mm-hmm. um, and so things like that. But, um, but yeah, music that I've grown into, I think my favorite band is this band. I've, I've told you, the Melvins. And uh, and the thing I like most about them is that they've actually kind of conditioned me for, um, for like, don't, don't go, don't expect a first reaction to be your, your going to be your, your total opinion. Like your first response to something is your initial response. And, and I think it's a better sign too of a lot of quality artists. If I don't react, uh, 
So like if I, I mean, not, it's like, I don't think about if I listen to something for the first time, I may not like it the first time. I may have to be in a Mm -hmm. different headspace. I may have to, you know, kind of, and like you said, just revisit it. And, um, and I, that's, that's the most truest with the Melvins because I, some of the albums that I've not liked the most, I've gone back and I've been like, oh man, I was so wrong. These guys, like, it's just, I didn't, I didn't, you know, something about it, like maybe just, um, I think that's the same thing with movies and, and a lot of good art. Uh, yeah. I don't know about comedy though. Comedy may be a little it better. I don't know. It's the weird yeah, the one thing where you better laugh, motherfucker. So. Yeah, there's like only a few people or a few like sets that age that have aged well, like from people. I think with comedy, or like a lot of it. Or if it's like if it's that shit where it's uh, trying to be like if it's Andy Kaufman esque, uh, like somebody somewhere better be laughing. Um, yeah. <laughs> which I, I, I get, I mean, cause there's some of those guys, for instance, I never really watched Eric Andre before, um, too much. And I, I, every people up and down swear by, you know, his show and stuff. And I'm like, I don't really watch too much of the adult swim shit. You know, if it's under a half hour, I don't really care that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just me being, yeah, you know, okay, boomer. Um, <laughs> but it was fine with it. It's just, there's a lot of shit to watch. And then, uh, I, but I watched his movie on um, on Netflix, and I, I enjoyed it very much. Mainly the prank where he sticks his hand in the uh, the blender. That's like my first. Like I hadn't had an out loud laugh at something in a long time, and, uh, and that got me. And so then I, after I watched the movie, I went back and watched his show, and I'm like, oh shit, the show's brilliant. Like, yeah, I like I mean, his show. I started yeah. <laughs> like almost ten years ago, and and the movie is essentially some of his greatest pranks from the show just blown up along with a few mm-hmm. new ones and um and so i kind of saw his little formula a little bit i think what put me off was just sort of his uh his persona in like a few interviews and i didn't really care for it um mm. and then when i, I think I what's it, hard when it's hard when something like that is stripped like out of context of the show and oh. it's like used to promote it mm-hmm. it kind of like just skews what the thing actually is a lot of the time i like that happens to me with movies a lot i don't know if that's like with you his his interview with larry king was all that that threw me i'm like i'm not that larry king's like god or nothing i just like larry king i'm like he seems like he's trying to make trying to piss off larry king Mm -hmm. and and he probably was (laughs) (laughs) i get it now better i'll go back and watch that interview and be like oh okay now i i just I'm seeing it through different glasses now. This is, this is, ugh. I was listening to, I think it was Jesselnik talk about, uh, he went on, I think Jesselnik's show once and like brought fireworks with him there. Mm-hmm. And it was like an episode that I don't think, I don't think aired maybe, or mm-hmm. it was like one of the last, and it was like he was doing the interview with him and then I think left and then there was like firecrackers that he lit. And like they're, they're going off somewhere, and like Justin Nick was just standing on the stage, like yeah. didn't know what to do. Yeah, <laughs> and he he apologized right after, but yeah, he's just like I think he like thought. Yeah, you know, like, a lot of the guests. That's the thing is his formula. I think was starting to where I, I still I I still haven't watched all of season five, but um, I imagine it became more troublesome to find people when a they're aware of what that it's kind of a setup prank type thing mm-hmm. and that people that you're getting are kind of like in this uh, realm of like either like celebrity on the, on the way down from their peak or people that were, were kind of like, and eh, like kind of celebrity ish. Um, yeah. And, and, and it, because it, I don't know, I'm pretty sure that was deliberate 
I don't know if it was done more so that they wouldn't know who he was or any, you know, because there's a, there was a level of anonymity. I know that he kind of went into it with, and then as you get more known or more, you know, you develop a, a fan base and whatnot and people know what you're doing. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's harder to, harder to pull that kind of stuff off. Um, but he seemed to relish in who he pissed off. And, um, as far as like, you know, they, they, you know, some people, I think one of the more known ones was Lou Ferrigno was, uh, telling the guy who was painted green, like, if you touch me, I'm going to, you know, whatever. And Lou Ferrigno is notorious for being a super nice guy. So I thought that was, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I just, it's funny. Cause it's like, I wouldn't go, I, it was funny cause I was making a mock late night show thing with my, in the meantimes. And, uh, I'd never watched Eric Andre. And then I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't have even tried this if I, if I saw the Eric Andre version because he's he's totally satirizing the whole setup of it in a whole other way like i'm actually doing interviews you know somewhat and, and whatever but uh, way more lazy but it, it, it that's the thing is to do that 15 minute show and do some of the bits that he's doing i'm like all i'm thinking of is like that took a lot of work <laughs> Like yeah. Everybody, everybody can you can talk all the trash about like how many drugs you must be on to enjoy that shit. But he ain't on that many drugs. Like he he does drugs and enjoys himself. But when mm-hmm. he's working, that shit takes a lot of work. And those the guys yeah. that edit that shit. I remember one of the season episode season ending episodes was where he was doing the bird up shit like in a in like it was like extreme bird up. There was like bird ups within bird ups and all these fucking bird ups and i was like oh my fucking god this is insane and i loved it i was i was like this is this is acid comedy at its best and uh and i'm like fucking a man you can't argue with it so yeah it's like it's uh he's a big fan of underground music too i mean he he liked uh he interviewed mike Patton, was talking about mr bungle and shit that was one of his favorite bands so okay know that that's cool he seems like a guy that would be like Stage annoying <laughs> uh, he seems cool. like he has that energy though yeah yeah um, a lot of energy but yeah you can probably you can talk shop with him about some shit i'm sure that you that you knew nice so what are your uh, what are, but you got into music you were talking about your bands you played in bands in the north no right? i was just saying i was uh saying that i knew people in bands up people. north okay. but i like i like i have a bass that i've been playing for a few years but i've never like played with people or anything like that but no? i had uh so I had friends. What? It's so lonely. You just played a bass and <laughs> nobody would jam with you. I actually had a friend that was giving. Uh, I was getting lessons from. I had him on this episode. I had him on this podcast. He. Uh, I was. I would like jam with you. Little drum. He would. He would. He. He had. Right. A, we would. Uh, we would do some stuff, and he had some friends that uh, we'd hang out with, but. It was mostly like kind of like funk heard, music. No one will play with me. <laughs> <laughs> I've just never really asked people either. I've never really been like. Uh, I made a one man band called "I Think There's Some Damage," and now I really wish I named it. No one will play with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I had uh, up north. I had like several friends that were in that were in bands, and I would go to their shows and like um, hang out with them and stuff. And Forget, how a couple old of them. I'm 28. Uh, 28. That's okay. Cool. But like, uh, it was more, um, it was more like, like kind of like fast pace, uh, kind of like death metal type, uh, stuff as opposed to like what I noticed, like when I was at the show the other day, it was a lot more like hardcore, Mm -hmm. like, uh, which I like too. And I've, what? Oh yeah. They're fast too. I'm not, it was (laughs) like, I just, uh, like I, the scene that I was around was a lot Fast more and dumb. That's what you want to say. I understand. 
they were just doing like yeah a lot more like blast beats and mm-hmm. and uh and stuff like that but you're into more metal up in the up in the northwest or are you saying like it was more technical kind of yeah kind of yeah, yeah up, up there that was like the kind of what the scene was and like what the bands that would come through that was kind of like right. like the suicide silence like all shall perish and mm-hmm. i had a heard of all war. shall perish yeah yeah all shall perish i've seen them like i saw them like three times before they kind of stopped making music and actually you ever heard of the them. band iron lung yeah yeah I, uh, my my old band uh funeral shock played with them i was friend i was friends with uh mainly john from that band um but i know uh jensen as well and they were they're hilarious okay. too. like those guys they played like real tight technical short songs i think it's uh, i think they were like power violence related but um nice. they uh they but they were also jensen Namely, if Jensen wanted to be a stand-up comic, he could. He was fucking hilarious on the drums, doing, you know, he's drumming, doing vocals, and then in between songs, just had the best, you know, not not jokes, just talking talking out his ass. He was just hilarious. That's so. been, there's been some, I've noticed that, there's been some front men that from bands I've seen, like at Warp Tour and like other shows and way back that like, they had that kind of energy like they were like carrying on like in between like sets they would say some funny weird shit and you'd kind of like laugh if they they didn't have if they weren't doing that uh don't be wasting time looking at each other in the set list like you ready you ready like that was the thing i hated the most if i watched a good band was dead air between songs uh because a good band like that doesn't talk a whole lot and be uh, Melvins don't talk a whole lot to their audience. They go from one song to the next song to the next song. Mm-hmm. Slayer, same thing. Uh, uh, even Metallica, which for all of their shittiness is a great live band. Um, but like bands that I would just notice if they spend a lot of time like, okay, well, is everybody ready? Like, well, and you yeah. notice too, like uh, watching like live performances of certain bands after a while that they have like a routine in between certain songs. Like they have like a little set within a set in between that they just that just kind of come like naturally or it's like something that is like an easy way for them to go from like you know one song to the next song like i like uh i like the way that um i think it's uh like queens of the stone ages does that sometimes too like they have like these dramatic build-ups from like it gets quiet and then they'll like build up to the next song and they they won't really say anything those are called crescendos yeah, it's pretty cool how, like, you know, just... I've been watching a lot of, like, old concerts, like, from way back, like... Oh, from just, the 90s, from the ancient mm-hmm. times of the 90s. <laughs> the old, old concerts. I always love yeah. when I hear, hear what's old now. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From the ancient... From, <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to, yeah. <laughs> I was only in my 20s. I was your fucking age, man. No. <laughs> were there some what was like some of the like uh did you get to see any anybody in like that time that's like worthy of no they're all crap everybody i watched turned to trash unfortunately no, i'm kidding um there's uh i i started going to concerts probably when i was like uh i think first concert i ever went to me and my friend jason were going to see faith no more who had just started to you know, received notice uh, locally, and they were playing at a club called the Omni in in uh, Oakland, um, which there were three basic like music clubs that um, mm-hmm. we were shocked to notice. Uh, they said they had nights that would be all ages, uh, which you know it's like. And these were there was the Stone in San Francisco, which is a well known club, 
um, the Omni in Oakland, and then later One Step Beyond was in Santa Clara. There was also The Edge, uh, which was in Palo Alto, and they would have a variety, like Stone, Omni, and, and um, One Step Beyond, they would have like, uh, you know, everything from like rock acts, metal acts, punk acts, funk acts. Uh, okay. You know, you, if you look back at their listings, I'm friends with the guy that used to uh, book those shows too, and he posts sometimes some of the old listings, and you'll be surprised who you see um, listed in there um, before they blew up. And uh, Faith No More was one of those bands. Um, and uh, so they were playing, this was probably the last time they played at a venue that small, um, which fit like, I want to say like maybe like 500 people, maybe, I don't know, maybe less or something. Oh, damn. Um, and, um, yeah, it was. I mean, compared to like places that I'd go, it, it'd be like the size, a uh, little bit smaller than like Slim's or, or no, like uh, if you've been to the Catalyst, it would be probably about the Catalyst sized, I would say. Okay. Um, and it was, uh, it was this building in Oakland on Martin Luther King, um, and uh, it was when Martin Luther King Boulevard was not a, uh, not a particular. I mean, Oakland's still Oakland, but it's a fairly gentrified part of the part of MLK these days and back then there was a crack house that was across the street me and my friend were were only like 12 and uh, my parents were picking us up so we could only stay till 11 and um, so and they didn't list any of the opening bands it was just Faith No More so we were like you know so stupid didn't realize there would be opening bands and um, so we go show starts late at 10 o'clock it was supposed to start at 8 starts at fucking 10 so we spent two hours just dicking around and then um, this band comes on that we've never heard of. Uh, we start hearing the crowd chanting the band's name, saying they suck. And that was Primus. And um, <laughs> so this was Primus uh, when Suck On This was uh, a demo. And they Whoa. hadn't even been signed yet, or they may have just been signed. Because um, not long after that, Frizzle Fry came out. And we were kind of, like, intrigued. Like, we didn't... Like, we were intrigued more by the crowd's response. The crowd was packed, and the crowd was loving them. And so that we didn't, and this was like, you know, we're kids. We're just like, holy shit, like, this is pretty weird. Like, seeing a band mm-hmm. that you've never heard of, they're not on, you know, any, you never heard any cassette, anything. This was kind of new to us. And um, so, and, and the music was, you know, fairly catchy upon a first listen to someone you know like us it's weird just kind of checking it out for the first yeah, time there's yeah there's a guy you slap it his the bass is the more important part and he keeps doing all these weird things that the crowd's like kind of like like it was this inside joke between the crowd and him he keeps doing this thing with his hand all looking like he's fucking jerking off the air or something it was <laughs> one of his things he loved doing and um and just the way he played and it was it was just so it was intriguing so we left we had to leave early we didn't get to see fit no more like fucking assholes and um and we were but we were like oh i wonder about that that opening band like that that was weird and um and so ever since then um we started going to shows here and there that we could stay for the whole thing um and uh and i saw bands i want to probably the um I mean, we'd see bands at those venues. Most of the bands I saw, I mean, they were like, you know, they're thrash bands because uh, I was into the thrash metal scene at the time. Mm-hmm. So there was a band called Violence that was from Fremont that was starting to kind of get noticed. Um, you know, Metallica kind of came from out of all of these, all of that scene. We got to see Metallica actually the year that they really started to suck recording wise. They had just released the Black Album which was like, you know, there were people that didn't like Injustice for All, and that's fair enough. I liked it, but uh, the Black Album was just kind of a little, little too hard rocky. 
uh, for yeah. anybody who was a thrash fan. And so, but they, but we, we saw them at the day on the green, the last day on the green they ever had at the, at the Oakland Coliseum where the A's actually play. Yeah. Uh, they had it outdoors and we got there early enough. We were in the very front section that like you got oh, to no go there way. early, you get the wristband and you're like one of the few that get to be in the very front, which was great. Yeah. And, and you get to go in and out so you can, you know, go get food or something. And, um, and that lineup was Soundgarden at their, at like as Bad Motor Finger was made them wow. well known. Uh, Faith No More uh, was, and that was when I think Angel Dust was out. So I finally did get to see Faith No More live. Nice. Uh, and then Queensryche, which is a band that, eh, I mean, they were, I could, I didn't really care that much. They had a good album out that year, but they were like more of one of these hard rock bands that kind of was like, I never could quite figure out where their popularity came from because they kind of took like a little bit from the glam rock that they weren't like glamorous themselves, but they had like a very stylized vibe and their, their, that operation mind crime, which everybody fucking jerked off to. And I'm like, I don't really, I don't know. I'm like, they sound like they're a classic metal band, but they're, they're good. They weren't bad. And, um, and they, they ended up having a bass so loud that it made me nauseous. Um, they had a bass. Wow. The bass player was thumping the bass so loud, and I was like, uh, and I ended up throwing up a hot dog. Everybody thought I was on drugs, <laughs> and I was. I hadn't even done drugs. I was trying to run to the bathroom, and I, I basically ran up this. You know, if you're in a ballpark stadium, you're running up these things, and the and then nobody knows why I'm trying to get through these people. Then basically, I just cough and I puke. Like I ended up puking, coughing all over my fist. Anybody oh, who saw it would. All that happened was everybody just parted like the red fucking sea. Like yeah. I saw me puke on my fist. <laughs> yeah. Which is what the funniest part about it is everybody assumes I'm drunk or on drugs. I'm a little kid at a concert and everybody's being super helpful. And I'm just, all it was was I ate a hot dog, a ballpark hot dog, which I love. And it wasn't making me sick. It was the base that was yeah. thumping and just churning it in my stomach. So. Um, once I threw up, I was fine. Just washed off my hand and went back. I felt that feeling before a little bit. Yeah. It's just like the bass is a little too much for you. I'm I'm a kid at a fucking concert, man. I was, Mm -hmm. I was was excited. And uh, (laughs) Alka was great that night. And they, they played very minimal. They didn't play many of their shitty songs from the black album. Um, they, they stuck, they know their bread and butter. They know they're not like, they keep writing new horrible albums and, like no one just keep them. playing creeping death and yeah and... Play your, i mean your old it's like if and they try they tried to go back to that shit i tried listening to their new albums with the with robert trujillo and they're playing more faster shit and death magnetic or whatever and i was like mm-hmm. i oh god this is even worse like oh man it's like i grew up on them that was like my like my mom and my dad's like major influence on me was they just played that Played Death Magnetic. No, they played like uh, Metallica. Like they played like uh, Ride the Lightning and like Master Puppets and yeah. And so I like, I agree. They're not the. I don't really. I like listen to those albums because it's like you know nostalgic, I guess, or something. But yeah, yeah, it's. I agree with you. Like I saw them uh, a few years ago with my mom actually uh, because she actually got to see them in '89 when they uh, were playing in Seattle that live show that they recorded there. Which is like one of my favorite things to watch ever, and I'm like, man, my mom was like there. It's like so insane to think about. So like, she got to see them again, and she even said like, yeah, they were better um, back then. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Like, <laughs> even she, I, hope, I wonder if she saw him with Cliff Burton when he was playing bass because he he was a whole other like 
like he was part of why they sounded as good as they did um you know up until uh master puppets and then he died and then you already noticed i think that was another thing that they addressed that in the movie some kind of monster that they were abandoned trauma that never addressed the trauma which is fucking yes. hilarious if you ever want to waste <laughs> on a movie i i loved what i i got paid to watch it. a- <laughs> i was i got i tested dvds for sony uh in like the mid 2000s and that was one of them that was one of them oh my god <laughs> I, never, I was watching that movie like fucking crazy with the commentary track they gave me a song title actually because the best part of the movie is when they they basically tricked dave mustaine uh lars goes over to to rec- like talk to Dave Mustaine to kind of make amends for the situation in the past. Cause all yeah. in case you didn't know, Dave Mustaine's entire career is mm-hmm. all a resentment towards being kicked towards out Metallica. Of Metallica. That, that is bottom line from the name to his, of his band to mm-hmm. taking some of the riffs from songs that were already established as Metallica songs and using them for his songs. Like the whole fucking career is like a fuck you to Metallica. He even chose the name Megadeth because Megadeth shows up in the in the M section before Metallica. That's that. That was his reasoning there. So, uh, so here he finally confronts, or he Lars goes to to meet with Dave, and they have this heart to heart that they're filming. And Dave's understanding is the filming was for their their band therapy, mm-hmm. and that the guy was basically telling them they've never resolved these issues with their with their other players. And so Lars basically apologizes and, and on behalf of the band, even though he's the only one there. And, um, and then Dave pretty much lets his heart out, like, and tears up yeah. talking about be, how that was like one of the hardest parts of being that, that not only was he rejected by his friends at a crucial point in time when they were just before they're about to be, you know, pretty successful. Um, mm-hmm. But that now he, that he's also reminded of it every single time he turns on a radio station and he hears their songs. And I'm like, that's a that's a really fair fucking, you know, that, I, what's funny is like Dave would probably I, I'm like, if he would have if he would be more open about these things, I think be more and, and stop being like such a forced dick that he always was because um, I never was a Megadeth fan, but I love Rest in Peace. I think Rest in Peace is like a, one of the best albums just start to finish of any music genre. It's just a, and I, I, I even, when I first heard it, I was not, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it the first time. And I still listen to that album today. And I just think it's, it's a, uh, it's an amazing album from um, just, I put it on and listen to it all the way through to the very end and, uh, and love it. And, um, and I think that's kind of represented. He just got sober at the time for the first time and like some other shit. And, um, and so here he is having this moment and then they didn't tell him or they, when they basically, again, he was vulnerable in that with, in the confidence of like knowing that mm-hmm. this footage was going to be used for their, for their therapy. He had no, he wasn't told it was going to be used. Put in into the movie, movie and stuff. Oh, you, I think you muted yourself. I don't know. Oh, uh, hold say on. Something? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, uh, I watched that and I was I didn't know that he like didn't know like he didn't know in the the direct the the directors talked about was listening to the commentary he was pretty upset when they found out when he was told that it was going to be used for the movie they paid him too like and he cashed the check as as the director said 
he said he just wished that Dave was a little more positive in the uh, in the release of the movie because he he came out publicly calling it uh, should be called some kind of bullshit. Which uh, <laughs> when I heard that, I'm like, ah, that's a. I was trying to find a song title for a funeral shock song about friends stabbing you in the back, mm-hmm. and I was like. That's the title, right? The, holy they, shit, yeah. gave me the title, some kind of bullshit. And uh, it was like one of our more popular songs during that time. So I was fucking, it's like, hell yeah. No, that's pretty, I mean, that's stuff like that where you don't know you're, it's going to be used for something. It feels so violating. Like it, it is. That's where the money comes in. You throw some money at him and he, yeah. he's easy. The thing about it, I think what sucks they're friends too. They became friends over time. I mean, you get older, and, and you know they all. They, as much as yeah, Mustaine wasn't in Metallica. Mustaine's has achieved level of successes and has and has shot himself in the dick several times over mm-hmm. other other issues. Um, I mean, he just got in the news again today. I mean, it's like Metallica is probably wondering if one of them should have a video of, of them jerking off to some cho- some fucking nineteen year old online. It's like because now Megadeth got back in the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they uh, what I've been following that too, and that's it was been, hilarious. Oh yeah. my god, was so fucking uh, stupid. I'm like, yeah. I'm also thinking like Dave, dude, Dave Ellison. Like, I get it. If she's young and attractive, that's great. Let her do the strip show. Just watch. <laughs> Keep your clothes on and watch. You don't don't do anything. Like I, I, I've been, dude. I'm like I'm me, and like I've been, I've had a couple like women like try to sex me before, and I'm like, that's cool. I'm not sending you a dick pic. <laughs> like never, never will you get one from me. Like there's... did you uh, did you see that in the they brought Jeffrey Tubin back onto um, Who's CNN? That? I forget who Jeffrey Tubin is. He's the I guy know. that was jerking off on CNN. On, oh, that's uh, right. the in Zoom the, in the meeting. That's right. And, and they back. brought him back on. Uh-huh. Oh, I have to send you this if you haven't seen it. It's so okay. funny because they talk okay. about it with him, oh, no like, shit. and it's so awkward. <laughs> I was watching this interview, and she's like, "Yeah, I think that the lady interviewing him is like, uh, would you like me to recap why you yeah, were let sure. go? Yeah, totally. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he he's just kind of like, yeah, you know, I didn't know my camera was." was on and it's funny because they just had i guess what happened is they had like a 30 minute break before they started up again and i think that's he was just trying to get one in time to crank one out yeah (laughs) jesus christ man Um, i mean it's funny i think the thing is it's like it's i'll I'll put it like okay all right if if i'm gonna yank one out i ain't gonna have my zoom active like i ain't gonna i ain't gonna i'm gonna make sure it's fully closed I'm not gonna pull one of those. All right, I'm not. It's just that's like I'm not gonna have technology active. <laughs> that that like it, I need I need pure quiet. I, I can't even hear like rustling or anything else. That's why when people even like you know are doing this on the computer, I've had phone sex once in my life. That was incredibly awkward uh, with some girl who lived in Idaho, and um, and then and then on top of that, <laughs> was it? Uh, what was I thinking of? There was. Uh, no, with this guy that that um, video. What the fuck? I was thinking of something. Ah, I forgot. Whatever the fuck it was. I, I just think it's just one of those things where, like, you know. Uh, oh, I've been. Oh no, now I remember. I've been caught by one person that I know of in my life uh, that was embarrassing. That was my mom. All right, I was like no. nineteen. I'm at home where I'm supposed to be, um, you know, and she was just trying to let my cat in my room, 
and and fucking a of all things of all times that my cat is waiting outside my fucking door um but it was bound to happen it's a numbers game you know when you're at that age and and mm-hmm. and, and i just love my mom's reaction she goes here you go flubby that was her nickname her name was flower but you know we call her flubby she goes here you go flubby letting it open in the door and i'm like and i just yank my my covers over over my, and she goes oh what's david doing flubby <laughs> <laughs> And oh, my mom what's so funny is I, I tell her that story she doesn't remember it she doesn't remember like she's she's got a, a weird memory but like um but I'm, i mean i'm glad she doesn't remember it but i i always crack up at like you know because now she hears me talk about all kinds of shit with comedy and she's even like you know been a part of so many jokes and stuff and there's like a time where i'd be mortified i'm sure talking about any of this shit and then <laughs> yet you know you just get older and you just you know so that's why when I look at that dude, I'm like, ah, he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> it's like, he, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, ah, yeah, fuck it, man. I'm rubbing out. Like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I, well, I, you know, he's like, this shit is stressing me out. <laughs> I mean, that, that I, I got to, I got to respect the guy who like, not only, not that he's doing it, but the fact that he owns up to it and still wants to work where he got caught, even knowing it's like yeah. so embarrassing. It's like, you're forever going to be, Oh, you're the guy that jerked off at the zoom meeting. That's right. He just yeah. owns it. I mean, yeah. I think, I think like if you own it, it's almost like there's people are kind of, that's what Trump was doing. His entire presidency was just yeah, owning, true. owning what all the shitty things he said. And I think there's, that's the, the, I think that's what, um, the difference between what, you know, cancel culture gets a hold of, and 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 as far as like people that I don't want to say they're uncancelable. There's no, no people are people. I think there's um, it's like when they try they keep trying to find ways to get at Joe Rogan and and anything that people say that people don't like about Joe Rogan. It's like and as my friend uh, Carlos Rodriguez pointed out about him and Joey Diaz when they were trying to get on them, they're self made. Like they have a fan base that's self made. They're not they're not reliant on. Um, indus- too many industry elements. Even with the the Spotify deal, that mm-hmm. was all based on Joe Rogan being Joe Rogan, and they don't want him. They're not asking him to change. He didn't have to sign it. He could have just stayed yeah. doing what he was doing. And if he if ever went south, they know that like he has the leverage to be like, yeah, fuck this. I'll I'll go. You know, I'll just do what I was doing before. Yeah, I mean, Spotify is really just like a way to distribute. And, it is, and they're the and, ones that need him more than he needs them. Yeah. And, I mean, he didn't need that. I haven't watched. They've lost me as a customer because I, I used I would only really pay attention to Rogan on uh, on YouTube. I was watching, mm-hmm. uh, I would watch episodes if like people. And then not only that, the, the episodes, I was, I think I even made a post about this. I'm like, leave it to Joe Rogan who can take some of the most intelligent, brilliant minds in in entertainment and industry and all that and make them sound like average everyday basic bitches like he just has a way of of talking about some boring shit with or like or saying the same things you know he, he has i don't know yeah. how many times he's had Chappelle on and they always got to break down comedy i'm like you said that last time motherfucker how you like crafting a joke and you know it's really crafting mm-hmm. and all that like talk about barbecue again if you want to be boring so i don't know yeah That's i think uh I think there's certain like podcasts like that where you kind of know what you're going to get. And really I'm only drawn to it. If there's like a certain guest that I'm like, Oh, that's like a new guest or, Oh man, that person's, you know, that person's funny. And I know that they're going to say jokes that Joe, like my, one of my favorite things is when comedians come on and they're saying jokes and Joe just doesn't get them. 
it's like I I actually like enjoy watching like Joe yeah. Rogan like not big, understand big, people's big, big humor. It's big ass bald head, dude. It's so funny. It's just like, and it's not a dig at him. It's just like, uh, yeah. It's like a comedy so diverse in that way where like so many different people have different you know like they think different people are funny or they're like you can have somebody that like likes comedy but then they look you show them something and they're like ah oh, that's but then they like other people they like like i feel like there's like certain like tribes of like um fans or whatever these days mm-hmm. with like oh. everybody's like kind of like loyal to like you like loyal to who you listen to in your podcasts or you're like who you watch um like like, oh, I, it's weird I've gotten into ones lately. I've been watching more um, as far as comic related uh, podcast. I, I more watch them on you or on YouTube if they have a mm-hmm. visual element. Uh, and I've been watching comics that I'm not a fan of their comedy per se, but I, I enjoy their podcasts. Uh, not all of them, but most of them. Um, uh, was uh, Whitney Cummings? Uh, hers is, I've been enjoying because she has funny guests, even though she's completely annoying sometimes and interrupts her own guests and is yeah like i listen to her show too yeah oh, she yeah. does I've, like i've watched hers but she has some she has some funny moments with it all and i like i don't know i like just kind of the real conversation she has with people bobby lee is another one i'm not i've, I've seen bobby lee live actually he was very funny um but i but again he's not like somebody that i would like think i would check in with but he has interesting conversations because he's a nut he has his girlfriend or his his fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, is like his co-host and then their guests yeah. generally like him and Tom Segura are, are pretty good together um, mm-hmm. and then uh, Andrew Santino I've been checking out his whiskey ginger one uh, lately. he is a those good just, yeah those are just three like, uh, those are like examples of comics I don't really watch their comedy too much so yeah he Santino's is is good it's like uh, one that he has like diverse guests on he'll have like a somebody that's in he knows just as a friend that's like a completely different um, he likes being a wise ass too he, i mean he he's constantly cracking jokes in the thing which mm-hmm. sometimes would get on my nerves but then after a while i'm like, ah, like whatever just listen <laughs> so, he's really yeah. good with um with tom segura as well yeah like, oh, i imagine, I imagine those two yeah they can both two two wise asses <laughs> he has this he has this episode of your mom's house i think it's the last one that he did um, where for like a half hour he's just in this other character because he's he's pretty good at like you know just kind of like keeping the story going and doing like yes and and stuff and he for the whole last of the episode and him and Tom are doing it back and forth they're talking about him being like he quit comedy and he started doing porn mm-hmm. and he has like this he started doing gay porn and he has like this lover named Rick and they actually have a video of this guy named Rick. Oh, they, they do the videos, yeah. No, I know. What you're and they bring this guy named Rick into it, and he didn't, and it interacts with him. It was, I was like, just crying in my car because if it was the if it was the first time you'd ever heard of the guy, mm. and then that's like you couldn't like be, people if they don't know that's his humor. It's just like they they think like he's just telling them like a real story. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. Like he he's so good at that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, lo- I, I like him a lot too. Committed. He's committed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Um, so I wanted to also ask you because you I've seen like you uh, you put on a lot of shows or have put no on I a lot don't of... don't contact me any, and not you can but don't contact me any if any comics are watching this I'm not booking you 
but like i mean over time though as i was scrolling through like you kind of uh in addition to performing like you were like hosting and stuff a lot and yeah. is that something that you like to do like you like to host shows or like you gotta pay bills motherfucker that's really i mean <laughs> you gotta, you gotta yeah I, I live i've been living off of uh off of my comedy work since 2017 oh nice uh, which is not it's not nice i mean it's I, i'm you know i do at the level that a lot of our local you know uh favorites and all that do but um you know and they're more kind of higher profile there was a time where like i was kind of I want to say riding that wave as well like probably about like four years ago and then um uh more or less now i'm like i'm an aging local which is not i have nothing against it i've i've never really wanted i didn't get into comedy necessarily to uh i i basically when i got into comedy i was trying to promote a band that i was in that's where the moniker from mean dave came from and then my oh, okay. drummer quit after about a year of me being in comedy because he didn't like the world of aspiring comedians at the time. Didn't blame him either. Uh, his, his parting words were, comedians are horrible people, but you're funny, Dave. And um, and so, and I was very disappointed because I really liked our band and I thought we, um, we could make something like kind of work within, because we were doing the band for a number of years before I started doing comedy and then... I was trying to do it to try and help promote the band, but it wasn't exactly working. It was kind of almost hurting us more. And um, so I stuck with comedy uh, just because I saw in that time, I saw people who were making either a living or making money at it that were horrible. And, and, and some of them are still around. Um, and they're, it's not, not knocking them. I've got, I've gained more of a respect for them now being that, what what comedy at the time it's like i was just like any other viewer i wasn't objective about it all i was very objective when it came to music in comedy Mm -hmm. i thought i was objective but the thing that i wasn't objective about was everybody at the bottom um i was just like you know if you're repeating your same jokes at like from one open mic to the other and and they're not you know they were horrible here why would you say them there you know that kind of thing just being very judgmental um, I, I thought that because I had an ability to riff between songs in my bands and make music audiences laugh, that would translate to stand up, and it didn't. Um, there were there was a lot of things um, that I I basically when I got in, I I had a rude awakening and just started having to realize that comedy was a whole other instrument. Like not it's not a medium, not an art form. It's a whole other instrument that I had to learn and relearn so much uh so many bad habits from playing in bands because you know in playing in a band you got your support either of other bandmates even if i was playing one man band i had a level of confidence of hiding behind the music um you didn't need an expected reaction to to thrive and to justify your existence Mm -hmm. um whereas in comedy that's not the case now i was i was more off the cuff i would say a lot of you know, uh, off color shit, making fun of other comedians and everything else, which is not a popular way to make friends in, in when you're new in comedy. But, um, but I, I would make some comedians laugh and stuff like that. But audiences would always be like, who's this asshole? You know, just, I'm just being an asshole on stage. And, um, and so it took a little while to sort of like kind of settle down and realize I had to learn how to write a joke. I had to learn how to tell a joke. I had to learn how to, uh, listen to the audience and take what and keep what they like and throw out the rest and just all these different things. Um, and I, and I did. And, um, 
but by the time that I was starting to figure that out, I also had developed a reputation of uh, being a little, you know, kind of, you know, being both uh, an alcoholic and drug addict and whatever that was um, a little disruptive at shows or a little, you know, cause, cause, you know, I'd start shit on Facebook or whatever and all that kind of thing. So it was kind of being more notorious in that regard. And I didn't mind the reputation. I, I actually, because I never saw myself as being, I always thought of myself as being something kind of bridging from the punk rock world and all that. But the thing was, too, I started seeing the hipster hacks, as I like to refer to it. I started seeing them be embraceive also of, uh, of friends of mine from the underground music scene. And when I started seeing that, that's when I got really resentful because I'm like, wait a minute, I'm friends with those motherfuckers. I know you from the comedy world. You have no mm-hmm. business fucking with that. Like, I, you know, I'd see like these these uh, these comedy shows at Burnt Ramen, which was like a popular punk spot in Burt in uh, Richmond, and it's like that's where my bands like all cut our teeth there and I'm seeing a comedy show there and I'm not on it. I'm like, man, fuck you guys. You have no bit. Like who the fuck is running this? You know, I'm like, it was just that kind of thing. And I, and I, and I was pretty resentful of that, of that type of shit. Um, If I would, if also if like friends of mine were producing shows who I put on shows several times and they never had me on, I was very resentful of that. A lot of early, it's the same type of bullshit. Um, Once I got in recovery though, um, it's not like everything so much changed of that. It's just my behavior changed in, re- in response to a lot of those feelings. Um, so I, I, I'll dare say that I get along so much better with people that I may not like or may think I don't like until I, I've, I've actually become friends with people that I flat out hated back in the day. Um, and I wouldn't say so much like we're friends, but we're friendlier and, and I can have a positive conversation. Some of them have even been um, you know, have, have, you know, said words to me that like, uh, I told one guy I didn't really care for back in the day and we're cool now. He's got a family and I'm in recovery and we were in the green room at punchline one night and I told him, uh, it was like, you, you actually gave me one of my, one of my best compliments after I hosted, um, at Rooster T feathers for a tryout. And I knew I hosted the fuck out of it, but I don't really toot my own horn too much about anything, but I really hosted a horrible night there like very well because it was a lot of bad comics and some good ones he was one of the ones that had a good set we did not like each other at all we were not friends we were not anything and um and one of the best compliments was after the show uh he comes up he goes mean dave you know you know i hate your guts right and i'm like yeah feelings mutual and he goes you hosted a, you, you were uh you were an excellent host tonight and I was like, cool, well, thanks. You know, it was, and that's a genuine compliment. Someone, yeah. I've, I've paid those compliments too, where I can't stand somebody, but they had a great set. And if I have a window of communication, we're like, you know how much it hurts me to tell you you had a great set. <laughs> you know, like, that, that's a genuine compliment. So, and, um, and so that's, so as far as like running shows, I've ran shows, I think I've always ran a show since 2011. I ran an open mic uh, um, it, at the place called the Hookie Lau. We only had it for like, I think like half a year I was running it there. And then I would, I would, um, I, w- I liked hosting cause a lot of people didn't want to host. I always felt that, um, especially once I started getting booked more, um, people were more encouraged, like people would want to book. Nobody liked hosting. Yeah. I think a lot of people still don't like hosting. I don't mind hosting. I think hosting is actually, uh, a cool, especially if it's your show, 
Um, but it's like, it's a cool way of being like, you're, it's like, you're the parent of the show and you want to take care of your show. You want to make sure all of your, all of your, your lineup has good opportunity to, to, to thrive in their set and all that. And I run shows in tough rooms. Those are my favorite places. Cause, uh, cause also it's fun. I think Dave Chappelle said it best. You really see how funny someone is when they're bombing and it's not to see, I don't want to set them up to bomb, but I do think that you really do see there's more growth in the struggle than there is in just everything going your way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I've seen people who are really funny. Granted, nobody really wants to work for like, you know, five bucks in tips at a, at that, you know, at, at, you know, in a far drive away or something like that. But everybody needs rooms that are not like that aren't open mics where you can practice working on a set. That's like, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes long. And I had rooms throughout the years that were kind of like that. And I have my shows where it's like, they aren't, you know, there, there's, I, I tend to run more workout rooms than I've, than I have, uh, you know, uh, fire shows as they like to say. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, I hate that term, but, um, but I, but I also, you know, in every show I've gotten, I've never really, I don't seek them out. They kind of land in my lap. So it's sort of like somebody's looking to run a show. Um, and I've actually had to turn down shows uh, to run that other people ran that then I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I wish I said yes to that. Um, <laughs> you know, classic thing. But, um, but yeah, so it's just, you know, like right now, now that things open back up, um, I'm running uh, Vinny's Bar and Grill, which I've, which is now my longest running show. Um, on It's every third Monday in Concord. That's a tough room show. Um, nice. You know, it's not for much money or anything, um, but they treat us really well. We get a lot of food and, and drink tickets, and it's a good workout. It feels like an open mic, but it's not. Uh, actually, somebody just closed out the show the other day, uh, at treating the headlining spot like an open mic and bombed their fucking ass off in front of a full room, which was wonderful. Um, and then, um, uh, so is that room. There's uh, We just started a show in Newark at O'Sullivan's every first Wednesday, um, which that's is not like, my idea. That's in uh, like Fremont, right? Uh, Newark, yeah. Okay, it's, yeah. It wasn't my idea. It's my buddy Mike Bucci's idea because he knows the guy there. And I said, that place is nothing but trouble, man. Why would we want to start a show there? It's just, I'm just, and he, he told me the, the, the setup and it, and it actually went pretty good. It went, it went okay. It was a little wild, but it went pretty good for what it was. But we had neighbor, we're, we're having to readjust for this next one. Um, but sure enough, then he tells me, uh, everything that happened after I left, which was everything I said that was going to happen. And basically my co-producer uh, got provoked by some asshole who was drunk. And next thing you know, it turned out to an all out brawl in the parking lot, which was hilarious to hear. And I was like, that's why we need to start the show earlier and get the fuck out of there before nine. o'clock." <laughs> uh, I have no problem. We made plenty. We made good money and, and did really well. And the audience was really great, but supported us there. It's like, I want, to do that i want to encourage that and then i want to get the fuck out of there before the what i know goes there goes there because you know I, I used to walk by there on my way home late at night a lot from shows uh coming home and and i'd see the cops there like every other fucking weekend um and then uh another show we're running i'm gonna be starting back up my ohlone cigar lounge show which is like once every three months and that's a good show uh in a room full of dudes smoking cigars and a few ladies um nice. And then uh, the and then the other one I think is Lily Max. I'll be running a couple Mondays. Oh, I heard about that. yeah I heard about that place before. Yeah, I'll get you on that one. That's uh, it's it's in um, Sunnyvale, 
Uh, okay. Be, that'll be starting back up in August. They're doing. I think they just did their first show back uh, recently, and then, uh, or it might still be coming up. Paul Conyers is headlining the first one, and then oh, I'll nice. be uh, running the the week uh, two of the weekly Mondays, or you know, like I think I'll be running like the second and fourth Monday um, there uh, coming in August. So. So yeah, like I said, no, that's a good room. That's a fun room. Like I've had a lot of good times there, and uh, I used to only run one night there, and then now I'm I'm like, I think I'm, they're losing people, so I'm gonna be running too. So yeah, cool. Yeah, I uh, I was talking to people the other day too. I think the Blue Lagoon is starting to come back in the yeah, next we're month doing the on first Tuesdays. One. I'm doing. I'm at the first one coming. Oh, up. nice. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna be there too. Yeah, right. I'm ex I'm excited. Uh, I'm just excited for all the, you know, hearing all this stuff about and seeing all the posts for like shows starting doing, to pop yeah, back up. Yeah, you got a again. show in Salinas, right? That's, actually, that's yeah, right. tonight, actually. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I'm excited about that. Um, that's going to be fun. Starts at eight. Have, uh, you done a, it, have you done that show before? You've ran it there before? Yeah, I've been running it there actually since like 2019, I think. Um, I was doing it in their basement once a month and mm-hmm. before the pandemic. And then we started doing it in their like beer garden. And I think this is the last time I'm doing it in the beer garden. Next month we'll be back in the basement. So, um, yeah, they have this dope basement that fits like a ton of people. We've had like, I think like a hundred people at a show before down oh, there. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it's really fun. Like it's just, uh, I was doing it while I was doing it with no host and just putting a bunch of comics on there and just having them bring each other up. But then I started having a host again. Um, just, I felt like it's a little bit better with such a good, like big audience to have like a, to have yeah. a host, um, especially in that kind of environment. I feel like, and like, let, you know, like I try to have like somebody with like high energy be a host too. Cause it's just, like the, I feel like the crowd in Salinas, it's just, I don't know. I know you probably know this too. Just being going and diff, around different cities and doing like every place is a little, like the people are just a little different and it's just yeah, like totally. the, Salinas the energy. Is rough, and, man. Yeah. This is a rough town. They got the prison, they got the, you know, gangs and all that shit. So I'm sure there's, which I didn't know. I still don't really know like a whole lot about. Like, do you I live feel in like Salinas I, or where do you live? Um, I live in Marina and I've only lived in California for like four years. I'm actually from like, you know, up north Washington. But uh, when I moved here, I moved to Prunedale for like a couple months. It was my first like California experience. Oh my God. And I was like, wow, this reminds me of kind of like back home a little bit just because it's it's just like really rural. And then I played at Prunedale. I played at a, there's some shack on the side of the freeway that had a venue that we played at. Nice. Uh, one of my bands, yeah, we had like an all day festival there, and we always we'd always laugh about the our 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 big Prunedale gig. Yeah, and then I moved to Salinas, and I didn't know anything about it, and I kind of I lived on the north side, um, and north was go, and I was working like I was working at a I was as I work in cannabis, I was working at a cultivation like out on one of the like on Old Stage Road way out there, mm. and then uh, yeah, just like started doing that show and that was like the first my like spending time in that downtown was like so I like like through doing this comedy show I've like learned about like the community I guess and the people and like more and more about like the area just this kind of are you building up to being terrified enough to leave Salinas sometime or (laughs) I do want to like get closer to the scene because because there's not you know it's pretty far south from like where everything is happening you know comedy wise you know Matt Gubb sir 
you know? Yeah, he's actually gonna do. We've been talking about he's gonna do my show. I think in a, in pretty soon. And yeah, he's yeah. from there. Yeah, he's from that. Area. Yeah, he was telling me like, yeah, I never really did a comedy show there. Like, uh, and so he's and, and there's a reason for that. I'm sure. <laughs> No, I'm sure that that's good to hear that you got a show that's like doing well there. That's good. I, yeah, the bar is the bar is pretty cool. It's right at the like you know like the old town downtown in mm-hmm. that. I like, kind of I don't know it. I just know there's that town. There's where's the town that uh, there's there's a town not far from there that Pete runs a, a show at in a bar. Oh, Hollister, I think. Hollister. The, oh yeah. God, yeah, Hollister, the the motorcycle mating town. And um, and I've, I've headlined that show, and it's it's always and I've had great responses. Doesn't make me want to stick stick around long. Like yeah, that's the thing that like uh, I always I love performing in, in different places, and I love you know meeting people and stuff like that. It what the but it doesn't make me like sit there and romanticize the reality of of uh, you know it's like there's still a prison there. There's still like. <laughs> still gangs that are very dangerous and shit. And uh, I think one of my favorite shows I got to do um, in a in a small town was this place called um, McCallamy Hill. Uh, there was a. I only did it once. I got. To, I, I have tried to go back, but the the booking has gotten in different people's hands, and mm-hmm. so they, they kept uh, losing me in the shuffle. But it was this hotel in McCallamy Hill. It's a haunted hotel, mind you. Um, and, uh, my friend Dan Myers used to, used to run the show there and he needed a headliner last minute and it was like 2015, I think. Um, and, uh, he's seen me, I, he, I, I think I had headlined his, his, um, Bowling Alley show before, which was why he, he basically had a last minute dropout. He hit me up. I, I didn't have a gig, at, uh, that night. Or if I did, it wasn't as as good. And I was like, "Well, I can I can take off and meet up with you uh, on Barton, like, so I could roll with him there because I don't drive." And because mm-hmm. uh, McCallum Hill is like uh, in the it's in the boonies, like east of I don't know if it was east of Stockton. Like, if you look, I don't even know exactly where it is. That's all I know. Um, it's in the hills somewhere. It's a hill, um, but um, and it's a small town, like very small community and all that. And so they got this this hotel that they run their show at. And um, and I had a really good set. I, I did an hour there. Had a great time, uh, which was you know it was cool. I didn't really do hours as much at the time, but I knew I mm-hmm. I, knew, I was like, you know, Dan's confident in me and, and all that. Plus, we got to stay the night there. Did really well. Ended up hanging out with the locals afterwards who live literally around the corner. They're trying to feed me beers, and I'm like, I don't drink and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we hung out. And then, but I was invited to the town. They, uh, I forget the name of the group. They basically had like the like in the Flintstones. They have the Loyal Order Water Buffalo, or you know they they have, they have their own little uh, their their little yeah their, their town organization that like does it's like all the their Elks business. or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're, it's their own. Uh, they're not they're not Masons, but you know it's like it's their own little their little community group organization. They invited. Yeah. They were having a breakfast uh, at their meeting the next morning, and they invited me to it. And I was like, free breakfast? Fuck yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so I get there, and the breakfast is mostly gone. So I got some of the leftovers, and I basically just hung out while they were doing business. And they were fucking hilarious. They all wore these little, these like lion hats or something. 
if they cussed, they had to pay. They had because I wondered why they all had change in front of them. They had uh, like a, a cussing jar or whatever. Whenever they cussed, they had to throw money in the in the jar. Um, so and like some would do it deliberately. You know, it's like they'd, they'd be like, "Well, fucking this, that, and the other." And like, <laughs> me. It's a small community shit, and they were hilarious. And um, so I've just eaten breakfast, watching them conduct their business, and then sneak out of there. It wasn't even a good breakfast; it, it was horrible. But um, and then uh, Dan Myers, who ran the show, uh, he he or he, he sees me afterwards. And he was like, "Yeah, I was looking for it. Where were you?" And I was like, oh, "I was at their meeting, their town meeting, or whatever." So he goes, "I've been doing the show for three years, or whatever, and they've never invited me to to any of that." I'm like, "Well, sure, man. I don't know. But I don't want to tell you, dude." <laughs> Like, yeah, that's always the worst <laughs> yeah I had a good set I guess man what, what can I tell you so but um yeah no I love that shit that was I just that that was a lot of fun but like you know it's and I wanted to go back just so I could say hi to my friends but yeah I've been back there since 2015 so who knows they won't even remember me <laughs> you gotta get breakfast with them again when you go back see if uh, you can uh, I mean they would have to get me breakfast <laughs> selling point because it was free so well dude this has been it's been a good it's been a good time like good getting to know you you. yeah good getting to know you like i feel like um you know we got to talk briefly at the show uh a few weeks ago or a month ago i think one of the last uh, one of the last yeah and uh yeah it was cool getting to meet your friend mike and um he's a cool guy too uh got to have to have you guys come down here sometime yeah man and do the do the show down in Salinas. And vice versa, we'll have you come do our shows, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I, uh, I used to go to. Um, I had a friend that was he moved to Chicago, but we him and I were pretty like trying to go up there a lot and do uh, open mics up there, and we were going to the Florence, like trying to go to the Florence uh, as much as we could over oh, yeah. in Niles. Because I feel like that's one of those rooms, like you were describing, that's kind yeah. of like a, a tougher kind of room. And it, there's some, it, there's some nights it's really good, but yeah, that's that's definitely like a a divey tougher room. Um, uh, if you have you been to Pete Munoz's Woodhams? Um, no, but everybody keeps telling me that I need to go, and you I know that's starting up. Woodhams is a little more livelier, you know. It's it, like open mics; they'll they, they'll have good they'll have. A lot of good energy one minute, next minute it'll all be, you know, nobody will pay attention to you one minute. Yeah, Yeah, you always hope, like, when a bunch of people gather in, you're like, I hope they stay the whole time, you know, because you kind of get that. At an open mic, I don't care. Uh, At a a show, yeah. At a show, especially if it's a free show and you're hurting for an audience and you want people to watch and um, that many of those moments. But um, open mics... I, I never really care too much about whether it's just comics or whatever because it's really I've always found that the best attitude at an open mic is to see how confident you are in your own material regardless of the outcome because um, like the the fact is, is and I think this is one of the things that a lot of comics don't even think too deep a lot of aspiring comics don't even think too how, how much do you believe in your own material because if you do you believe in your material to such a degree that you can deliver it with the same level of of energy that you would have at a at a packed fire show, uh, then could you perform that level of energy to an open mic that really just doesn't have anybody in there who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. And are you because the fact is if you're if you're trying to if you need to feed off of 
that energy that they're all saying. And some do, that's fine. But then um, I always love uh, one of my one of my good friends is a comic named Jay Rich. Uh, he's a very good comic. Uh, he's he's a he's a dude out of the Oakland. Um, and but one of the things I always laugh at because he he needs to feel confident in order to perform, you know, his best. And he's he's a very funny dude. But I've also seen the shows where he's like I had him headline my Vinny show once, and he did five minutes because he couldn't take. He couldn't take the level of the there were because there were people in the room. Not everybody's engaged in the show. He couldn't perform to like three people as if he was performing to three hundred. He needed everybody's attention in that room to feel confident. And if he couldn't get that, he doesn't want to do it. And I watched him like give up on himself, which is really funny to watch. Um, but I'm saying what I'm saying. But there's also people who I know who. And, and every comic's different. I don't think this is like the testament of like, oh, a real comic, this, that, and the other. But, but I think that it helps one if you're in a. And this is something I've learned is like, some of my best shows have been performed to like you know five people in a room that was expecting fifty. And part of and the reason for that was because my attitude was the same, um, you know. And and uh, you know a lot of times it, you know it's one thing if like oh you're not going to get paid or something like that. But if I, I don't really, you know, and I, that does, you know, affect my attitude on stage, but mm-hmm. <laughs> for the most part, if, um, if I'm on a show, if I'm doing a guest set or if I'm doing something, even if I'm doing a show where they're just flat paying me a flat rate, and if there's not a lot of people there, I'm not going to go in there and, and act like, you know, oh man, what a letdown, you know, yeah. this is all there is. And so many people do that. I mean, even good, even professional comics will, will wilt in the face of like the reality that not, you know, you might have like a, a, you know, unfilled room or something like that. And they don't, the audience that's there, they didn't come to see somebody (laughs) be disappointed in the turnout. Not only that, now they're they're being made feel awkward. (laughs) It's awkward enough that there's probably, that there's, you know, they're the only ones in there especially if you have like an audience and like you got a full room of empty tables and there's like, you know, and they're scattered. scattered, So you're like (laughs) the first two that come in and they got it. Like we had that happen at a yet restaurant, uh, Griffin Daly's show. And the whole reason was the the restaurant didn't even know if the show was still going on that night. And we got (laughs) hit up to run the show while Griffin was in the hospital. So we show up and they're like, Oh, there is a show. And we're (laughs) like, we, we were or the the restaurant itself was like, oh, we didn't know if there was a show tonight or not. So they were totally gracious. They helped us move Damn. everything. We set it up. Now we don't know if anybody's going to come because they didn't know if there was a show or not. And then these two <clears throat> these two young ladies walk in, and they couldn't have been nicer. They were just these two young ladies that just came in for the show. They knew about the show. They they sat down, ordered food. They weren't going anywhere. They came for the show, and we're like fucking dope all right so we got at least two people and then two more came in so we had an audience of four to start off with and then uh, from that point on then a few other people by the end of the night we had 10 people and and it's in a big room but they were 10 10 of people who loved the show and they all tipped (laughs) and um and it was it was and i don't think there's and i I tend to bring an energy that's like conscious of that if like i know the comics that are like the, the the hot shit you know fire lineup motherfuckers that like don't 
they don't they wilt in those experience in those in those situations and i'm like and i and it's like and i don't want them to learn how to do well in those things i want them to still suck uh <laughs> those things are gonna only hurt you in the long run because this is not a it's not a business of of like get there and it's it's like it, it i don't know everybody always this comedy is not attractive i don't get why anybody young wants to do this shit there's i didn't want to do this shit. i wanted to play in bands and shit and and be in that <laughs> scummy world but comedy itself is there's a reason why these motherfuckers kill themselves uh they live depressing lives you know and even the best ones you know they it's it's like the there's a level of work and all of that shit where i'm like it's it's not attractive. I don't get why people think that it's like it, especially young people that want to be woke and all this other shit. And I'm like, this is not your. This is not for you. I don't I don't get why you try so hard to do this. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a good tech job and being the funny guy at the office. You know, it's it's wrong with that. You know, it's more there's more self esteem there than what you're going to seek in in the long run in trying to be a comedian that I don't. I don't think exists. <laughs> like, I don't know. Anyway, that's just my own little, little fucking be. You know, that's why I like the outcasts and the weirdos and all that stuff. Even the ones, you know, I, I don't know because when I, I grew up on comedy, where it was made, it was they, they were weird, offbeat people, and they mm-hmm. had different perspectives on things. It wasn't popular. It was like you know, people would go to the shows. They would love the shows. You have to like seek it out. Yeah, it was diff. It was just, and they they stood out more. Like these were, like when if you talk, if you ever get to meet Larry Bubbles Brown, uh, who's one of our local, you know, uh, guys who was a pro since the '80s, he's a hilarious human being. He's one of the most hilarious people that you'll ever meet. And one of the things is, is he's he's working comic who's never he's been on Letterman twice. He's had other TV spots, I'm sure. He's pe- appeared in some movies, but. But for the most part, the thing about him is he's one of the most hilarious people that people of all ages, kids will see him, old adults will see him, and people will find him hilarious. And and just as a regular person, just being himself, he's he's really just a, a funny human being. But he, one of the things about it, he's not one of these people that's trying to like pitch himself every, you know, mm-hmm. you know trying to find a niche and all all this fucking shit that that um. I don't know because and he came from another era of them hustling doing that and it's like now it all involves technology and you know he's older and and whatever but still you can put him on any one of these fucking shows that anybody puts on in the bay area and he'll kill on any one of them and and he doesn't even have that level of confidence in himself like i just i've seen it i've 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 seen him on different shows and and whatnot and um and yeah, and it's I don't know. It's just one of those things where I just I, again, he's a guy that's a comedian to me. And you know, there's Tony Sparks who talks. We talked a lot about. Uh, he's a local. Yeah, our, our, a couple other people have brought him up too on this show yeah, and he, said he, good things I about encourage him. As well. him. Uh, he's very. He's the godfather of Bay Area comedy, as people like to say. But he's also just a a very encouraging spirit in the in the world of our local stand-up comedy community, and uh, and a funny dude, a very you know very funny guy. <clears throat> and um, and he he knows even more of the history of of the area, so. But yeah, I go on Hell forever yeah. with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man! Well, I just ate a uh, where can people moment. where can people follow you and stuff to check they out? Like the fuck alone, Michael. That's what they can do. I can, no, um, you can look at YouTube. Uh, in the meantime, with me and Dave, I have my uh, my channel, uh, me and Dave channel. 
Uh, there'll be new episodes coming soon, but there's a backlog of old episodes. Go check them out, man. They're timeless. Hell yeah. Timeless relics of the past. Um, and then uh, uh, easiest way to find me is uh, on Instagram at mean underscore Dave. Nice. Uh, or Twitter is at mean Dave time where I say things that probably will get me canceled. I'm sure in another, <laughs> another five years, if anybody cares, um, <laughs> I was just say, if I get any job in the public eye, like I'm sure there's going to be like, all they have to do is go back to my Gilmore girls tweets when I was, when I was live tweeting, watching Gilmore girls episodes. <laughs> and I, I know I've said some cancelable things during that time. <laughs> The entire time, it's true, man. It's like, I like I can't. I've tried to scroll back to them though on my phone, and it keeps crashing. So I don't oh, know damn. how. I don't know how the, who, whoever goes back through tweets, like whatever high-powered fucking industrial technology they got. With like they got like servers in a room where it's like we're going to comb through <laughs> tweets right now. We're, we're gonna, gonna look find, through them. We're gonna find the needle in the haystack to get this motherfucker canceled. You know, it's like every, all of that shit. I don't know how. Who has the time? You know, and yeah. all that, these fucking losers that are just on the internet, all, on the Twitter all fucking day. And uh, my buddy right now, he plays, He's uh, he actually lives near, he's in Gilroy. Uh, he has a, a band called Basecaper, which I fucking love. Uh, and I've actually, I've played a song on it uh, recently. Nice. And he's he's um, just released a new album. I knew this was going to be, a, he, he, he had this band called gapetard and now bass gaper where the whole song titles and lyrics are inspired by problematic tweets uh like he, <laughs> he like they're inspired by things people have said or samples and all that because he he the cancel culture to him is just a fucking like it's it's hilarious and at the same time he just he just like sits there like oh my god i can't believe we're we're at this point and so he purposefully titles songs like you know words that you know get you canceled and uh but no one pays attention to him that much until recently and now like he he has a promo for his new new cd and it's it's basically the tweets of people that were that have been like like imagine this 50 year old guy like now they're attacking his age they're attacking uh the fact that he's white and all this other shit and it's like and and he goes now he goes they haven't even heard the album so imagine how good it is and So he's he's trying he's doing that thing of like of of yeah standing kind of um, what we were talking about earlier of just like like if you uh, I forget you I forget the term you use it's not standing your ground but it's like it's essentially or uh, I mean they're just owning up to it just owning up yeah. to it and he isn't saying anything that he hasn't said he knows what the climate is and that's he's trying to I think that's kind of the point it's like you're the it's not it's not to say that like what whatever you know trying to trying to be better people is wrong but it's also like you know being wrong is funny sometimes too and it, i mean context and all of that yeah and, and and i think there's a difference between you know hate speech and and also saying things that are definitely like you know uh you know that that are the words that are like the you know the textbook words of all that stuff but in a in a proper context they are words you can just laugh at as mm-hmm. long as you know but um, you know, it's juggling fire, as I like to say. You know, Hell yeah. fire. You want to juggle fire? Learn how to fucking juggle first, then add fire later. <laughs> so, all right, dude. Hell Good yeah. Talk, Good talking to you, dude. I'll, right, uh, right. I'll see you around. Yeah, man. yeah. Peace. Hey. 
Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please make sure to like and subscribe on any platform you're on right now and head over to Instagram or Facebook. Give the page at I'm Getting There Pod a follow to continue to stay updated on this. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>